Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm the socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas, here to bring you all of your Bojack Horseman goodness. But Michael, mm-hmm. you know what, Michael? What's that, Adam Nicholas? I've, I've, got, I've got something to tell you. Got I've, got a few, I've got a few friends in this world. None of them are here because obviously I'm by myself. But when I am with those friends, they tend to refer to me as the front of the plane <laughs> because we are all business as usual. Are you sure it's a rhyme with front? Are you sure you've just been mishearing this? I'm 100% sure it doesn't rhyme with front. How dare you? This is a family <laughs> show. How dare you? Uh, but yes, if you like what you're listening to in these first couple of minutes, come and find us on the socials uh, at Podcast Horseman. You can get us on Twitter or Instagram, where you can find everything to do about this podcast and all of your favourites from the show. And you can also find us on everything that's in the podcast world. Michael Hamflet, where can they do that? They can find us on Apple Podcasts. They can follow along on Spotify. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Acast. They can even listen to the podcast on the Twitter at Podcast Horseman if you like. Uh, subscribe, like, share, retweet when you see tweets. All that sort of stuff is really good for us. And please leave us a five-star review. Uh, as every podcast you've ever listened to will tell you, it's really good for the algorithm. It's really good for people to find us. It's just so more people can talk themselves horse about the talking horse. And at the end of this episode, we will induct yet another member of the Hollywood Talk of Fame in thanks to their five-star review, so that could be you anytime soon. Lovely stuff. I do enjoy those five-star reviews, Michael. I'm pleased you came up with that because it fills me full of an absolute ego trip every single day. Uh-huh. Uh, but speaking of things that I enjoy looking and reading, let's go and do the Netflix synopsis for this week's episode. As always, they give us the rundown on Bojack Horseman. Season 1, episode 12. This one is called Later, the season finale. Michael, mm. are you excited? Yes, I'm you are. Buzzing. Don't, I'm absolutely don't even answer. I already know. <laughs> uh, the synopsis is, months after his memoir is released, Bojack's being considered for a role that's a lifelong dream. I absolutely love this episode. <laughs> love it. Yeah. This was a special one. Um, we can't go into details maybe about the why, but for anybody that has listened along with us that has watched Bojack through all the way before, what I think you can notice is that the show is finding its groove in a way that it never has done previously. And for those that are watching along with us for the first time, and as we say at the start of this episode, it's spoiler-free, just expect more of this because it only gets better and better and better and better. You will have sadder days watching it, but you'll be happy if you experience it. <laughs> 
Fact. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think the great thing here, really, just before you dive into it, is that watching this episode, having now had a full season to get all of these little moments, these characters built up and everything, this is the episode for me, I think, where I'm, I was fully in. Like, like, There's a lot of great stuff going on. I know there's some very good episodes in this show, but I feel like from this point was when I knew this was going to be the show for me. Yeah, you feel like they're playing for keeps now. Yeah. Which I um, don't know if that's something to do with the agreement that they must have had with Netflix or the confidence of the staff on the show themselves, but it just feels completely and utterly locked in. And any time, and this applies to television across the board, whenever you have found your own sort of sweet spot with the TV show, there's almost nothing better as a television fan. Yeah. There's nothing more satisfying than knowing that you've made like a good call, that you're strapped in on the right ride. It's just, it's all those, all those wonderful feelings that you get off of television. It's a real genuine buzz. As Adam Nicholas, young Bojack Horseman must have had when he sat watching in 1973 oh. on the Dick Cavett show, Secretary, which is where he started with classic Bojack. Um, the title card tells us it was 1973. And Secretary, who I should know, is brilliantly played by the officer's John Krasinski here. He's been interviewed on the Dick Cavett show. It's a lovely, uh, glossy 70s American chat show. Uh, he's rebuffing claims that he's gambled on his own races. Of course, in real life, the real secretary it was a, a famed racehorse, maybe the most famous racehorse ever, certainly in an American racehorse in any way. But in the Bojack world, he's a, a walking, talking celebrity. He's a sports star more than he is an animal. Um, but he's been caught gambling and he kind of just laughs that off a little bit. Um, he's very charming. He's very convivial. He's got the audience on his side. And uh, Dick reads out a fan letter from a Bojack H. Who might mm. that be? I wonder. Bojack H, amongst other things, says he wants to be just like Secretariat and he thinks he's on the right track. Get it? Track? Do you get it? Because we're horses and we race on tracks? <laughs> I mean, obviously at this point we've been well fed this gag about Bojack, always wanting to know that people have got his joke. But in an absolutely incredible moment, Secretariat says, should I write him back and tell him I get it? And we, the viewer, can go, yes, yes you really yes, you should. should. <laughs> that would have solved a problem that would plague Bojack for his entire life as a 10-year-old boy, and it, it doesn't. However, it would have deprived us of a lot of things to talk about in the post <laughs> round segments, so maybe it was a good thing. <laughs> maybe we needed Secretary to be negligent to one of his fans. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Bojack H's letter, as we've seen from the brief flashbacks to his past, is kind of as sad as his life was. Uh, the letter says, sometimes I get sad. How do you not be sad? And Secretariat steals himself and reflects on his own like difficult childhood and says, Bojack, when you get sad, you run and you keep running. And no matter what, don't you ever stop running. Don't ever look behind you. All that exists is what's ahead which, of course, would mirror how Bojack spoke to Sarah Lynn when it came to performing and dancing. They'd found, in Bojack's case, it was acting. In Secretary's case, it was running. But they found the thing that was an escape from their life, and their only way to use that as a positive force for good was to just keep doing it, not to ever reflect on that past. Um, Secretary, however, uh, doesn't have much time left to reflect on that past. We see a title card. Sorry, we don't even see a title card. We hear a radio station telling us that the date is just weeks later. Um, Secretary is on a bridge. He's been rumbled for the gambling charges that just weeks earlier he was laughing off. He's on the bridge uh, and he throws himself off it to the soundtrack of the radio DJs talking about a car on the bridge blocking traffic. And that's the end of your freezing cold open to this week's episode. An ice, ice cold cold open, that one. And I think... That sight of him splashing at the water was, even for animation, was quite uh, poignant to say the least. Um, 
The thing here, though, just to try and distract a bit, is I guess in keeping with the rule of three as well there, they kind of did that where he tells Bojack to keep running. This is a long-played rule of three. We get Sarah Lynn, we get Bojack's uh, mam to mm-hmm. Bojack under the table to do the lollipop song that we got in the last episode, and, of course, we get this one. So a really nice tie-up to the three. Is it nice? Yeah. I'm not sure it's nice. It's definitely a tie-up, but it's... Yeah, <laughs> I would say it's bittersweet, but I can't yet taste the sweet coming oh, through. I'm, I'm still waiting um, for the sweet part of that. This is, you know, we can't um, we can't shy away from this. This is the animated show. This is the talking horse show. This is a show that we decided to do a podcast for because it's sometimes hard to convince people. This is a show that has just dealt with the reality of suicide and through a bit of backward engineering has kind of showed the impact that suicide has on people that you couldn't possibly imagine because this obviously has an impact on Bojack Horseman, the character that we know, the character that we live this show through. Um, We've seen a celebrity in the form of Sarah Lynn struggling to battle the demons that have partly been brought on by the life that she leads, as has been the case here with Secretariat. These are issues that are as real as real life gets, and it matters not that we're seeing them done over the animated talking horse show. It doesn't matter a bit. This is a show punching far be far above its weight, whatever indeed that weight is. So from that, yeah, we we hit the the episode proper, and uh, it's again. I don't think this is by accident, but we go from the the cold, hard winter morning of Secretariat's death to Bojack at a glossy awards ceremony. He's at the Golden Globes, uh, and in fact, he wins a Golden Globe. One Trick Pony, Diane's book, has won a Golden Globe for best comedy or musical movie. Uh, <laughs> Hollywood is stupid, and there will be more on this theme later on because it is thick as pigs. Um, Bojack, as is often the case for all of his flaws, is the only one that knows how stupid Hollywood is. He is on the stage uh, thanking people for their response to the book uh, over the last three months, and in doing so, spouts hot garbage about his bravery in releasing the book in the first place. It's a nice bit of dramatic irony because we, the audience, know how against this book he was principally, but now how he's perfectly willing to bask in its glory now that it's somehow won him a Golden Globe. It's won him basically the only award he can hold on to, and that will become a theme because he gave his one rubbish one to Sarah Lynn several episodes ago. Um, for him to do that, it's pretty galling when we know how he treat Diane. Um, but... There's an element where you think, well, maybe this was for something. Maybe all your suffering has been for something. There's some mixed emotions for us, the viewer, in toasting Bojack's glory here. Yeah, and the strange one here, because in all the things that Bojack acknowledges and the fact that his book wins a Golden Globe for comedy and... What is it, comedy and...? It's uh, best musical or comedy. Best musical or comedy. Ultimately, surely it should be Diane who's getting this award because yeah. it's her book, isn't it? It's her yeah. name's on the book. It's not even his book. It's about him, but it's it's her book, um, which, again, is he, he sees everything that everybody else doesn't see apart from the thing that's a little bit too close to him and would detract the spotlight from his own win, essentially, if you like. It's, a, it's quite a nice callback, isn't it, to the Ghostwriters Convention last week? Why would anybody attend a Ghostwriters Convention compared to the raft of people at the Golden Globes to watch the stars collect the awards? And there's a really cute gag here as well because uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is the one presenting the Golden Globes to Bojack. He tries to get in the shot by saying that they're best friends and things like that, which could be perceived as just a little quest for a bit of attention for Peanut Butter. But what I really liked was as... Bojack is spouting this nonsense about his own bravery and how he took life's challenges and made the best of them. Mr. Peanut Butter sort of gradually slides into shot, 
And the framing of those two together is almost to me to highlight that Bojack is trying to be Mr. Peanut Butter. It's mm. as if he's seen how Peanut Butter is backdooring his way through this existence. And Bojack, for a split second, is trying to do it. And in that split second, Peanut Butter's still in the frame with him. So <laughs> it, it's almost like at the point at which he's tried to be him, he's suddenly got Peanut Butter as his shadow. Mr. Peanut Butter, with his tongue just hanging out of his mouth tongue as well. Out like a dog <laughs> out of the window. Uh, Bojack, caught in the moment, says, after party at my restaurant, which gives us the harshest cut to Bojack in the restaurant, very angry as to why he's called this after party at this restaurant. He's uh, he's Clutching onto the uh, the Golden Globe, uh, Princess Carolyn and Vincent Dortmund come in there, still going out together. Bojack is still just as infuriated by being the only one that notices these three kids in a trench coat. <laughs> but at this point, because Hollywood is thick, has just started to accept it. Uh, we learn a little bit more about Mr. P- uh, about Vincent Dortmund's uh, work life balance. He says he went to the stock market today and he did a business. Uh, Princess Carolyn uh, turns to Bojack and says, uh, can you imagine this one in a swimsuit? And Bojack responds, I literally can't. I literally can't. (laughs) Uh, They walk off. They're having a great time at the party. Mr. Peanut Butter walks in. Uh, Bojack and him are speaking. Obviously, because of the awards, we realise it's been another three months or so since that awful sacking, that awful job, that that awful number that he did on uh, on Diane. Um, Bojack's asking, oh, how is Diane? Peanut Butter does note that the book has actually made... Uh, Diane has found Diane a level of fame not on their level but a certain level of fame but he in his mind believed it would be a power couple like and I quote the Brangelinas the Brangelinas Michael (laughs) (laughs) that famous power couple Um, (laughs) Peanut Butter stops for a second to ask Bojack how are you doing and then before Bojack can respond says hey Erica that's it there it is seven 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 out for the season uh, but again, the Erica gag is always is one that we can't drop because we just hear him out of shot saying, who let you out of the Burns Ward? <laughs> I love this. The gradual painting of the picture of Erica that goes on throughout this. It reminds me of uh, Riggedy Cricket from yeah. It's Always Sunny, of these little bits of additional things that keep happening to Erica out of shot that we're going to get our oh, man's just fantastic. And the poor woman can't catch a break because every time she goes to a social gathering, she's trapped under Mr. She's Peanut Butter. Yeah. Um, so Bojack is left alone again. Well, I say alone, him and his Golden Globe. Um, a fan in a I'm a Zoe t-shirt, if you remember from, uh, there would always be a Zoe or a Zelda from Mr. Peanut Butter's house, not from horsing around, yeah, uh, comes up to compliment Bojack on the book. She compliments him more on a, a line that is very clearly a Diane line about his like his, his inner demons trying to like combat his outer ones. He pies the whole thing off the propositioner to take her back to his flat. She yeah. politely rejects him in that way that, again, expresses that power dynamic that we've talked about throughout the whole series, where it's almost like she has to be apologetic for saying no to this toxic male influence. Mm. He completely unmoved by the entire interaction, just turns to his immediate right, sees the woman just next to him saying, what about you? And she just shrugs and says, okay. So it's off back to his. This scene is not for waste in terms of narrative because they're having particularly vigorous sex around at Bojack's house. And they're on the bed that, as you may recall, is still broken from when Todd jumped on it. So it's being propped up by books, one of which is Secretariat. They fall out of bed during sex. He sees the book. It's written by Diane. It makes him think of Diane again, and it kind of brings the story back round into one. But we've used a really toxic Bojack moment to get to that point. Mm. Yeah, the, this was. I love this bit just purely because I always admire the commitment to keeping the Secretary book in there, just as a visual thing anyway. Because um, obviously this show is the show that does that. But then for this actually pay off in such a great yeah. way, 
in such an unexpected way, actually, truth be told, because I didn't see that coming. I remember when, <laughs> I mean, there's probably many things you might have seen coming. Hey, hey, am I right? But <laughs> one of them wasn't that. <laughs> it's interesting how this show just puts Bojack, it's the three scenes we've seen him in, it just puts him in rooms he doesn't really know how to behave in. It puts him in an award ceremony where he's just full of nonsense to get through it, but he wants the glory of it. It puts him in a party because he thought he wanted the glory of it and now he just wants to be away. It puts him in his bedroom because he thought he wanted the glory of another sexual conquest and he just wants to be done with it. And he finds this book. This whole life is him, as the opening credits tell us from the very beginning, just moving from place to place to place and being unmoved by the whole thing. Literally, you could probably put it in a... That opening credits of him just staying still and moving through room after room after room is like, that's the whole show. It's the whole show. Bojack not finding a place that he feels comfortable in at all, but finding an end point where, whether it's on purpose or by accident, (laughs) he fell into it. He fell into it. Yeah, he's he's managed to land at a destination that will do for the time being. It'll it'll do for right now until something else comes up. Until the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, off the back of uh, finding that book, obviously something's gone in about Secretariat. Uh, so we see him at Princess Carolyn's office. He uh, he rejects a James Bond script and a Coen Brothers script about a one-horse town where he'd be the horse, which is such a lovely a reference to both the Coen Brothers style and what this show can do with animal gags. Yeah. Um, the implication being, as we should point out here, is that he's found himself, he's fallen into some success. Like, scripts are at his desk again. Princess Carolyn is still, like having to fight to have to make effort for him because he's hard work, he's hard graft, but at least the offers are coming in again. But typical of Bojack, he doesn't want them anymore. He wants the one thing that he believes now is the time to do, which is the story of Secretariat. Um, As he puts it, if he can't get Secretariat now, then all of this has been for nothing, which again is one of those lines that's kind of tossed off in the show. But when you sit back and talk about it as we do now, it's full of heft. It's full of yeah. pathos. It's full of quite a lot of sadness, really. She uh, she does reluctantly agree to go do it, um, and he just sits there, feet up in her office, still holding his golden globe. Um, that cuts us to there is all the stuff going on with the other characters, which we will, of course, get to. So from Bojack's point of view, he then meets with Lenny Turtletop, who uh, sort of is half on board with the film until Bojack manages to sell it to him. Um, and Bojack somehow convinced him to let him have an audition. The concern appears to be that Bojack is too old to play a secretary. He died young. Um, but Bojack is obviously looking more with what he's got inside of him rather on the outside. Uh, that will be obviously featured later on. That takes us to the audition itself where Bojack meets Kelsey Jennings, who will be the director of Secretariat. Um, And the gist is none of them can really be asked, which is quite telling because they say that they've obviously done several auditions already. They're kind of tired. They're not that bothered at this point, which means that Bojack wasn't even the first on the list. Mm. It's him that's been the one that's tried to force the movie through. It's him that's had to fight to get his own audition. And he's not even been the first call of the day. It feels like uh, it's the courtesy audition, isn't it? That's what it feels Mm. like. Hey, it, it... I feel like they try to sum up Hollywood, real-life Hollywood, quite well here because the amount of times where it's Bojack who was the driving force, it was Bojack's idea, it was Bojack who's held on to this for his whole life because it's something he's dreamed of, but ultimately he's, what, 30th in the queue of how ex- however many people or whatever it is, and really he's only there because it, he has to be there as a courtesy to Lenny because he said he would, mm-hmm. and they're all absolutely exhausted because they've been through the whole rigorous process all day long. Yeah, it's... I think that's it. I think like there's there's a pain and a pathos to Hollywood within Bojack Horseman mm. that I personally I don't think I've ever seen Hollywood's 
like grim underbelly told quite as well. A lot of films have attempted, I can think of films like Maps to the Stars, where like they've only really shown you like the darkest, coarsest edges of what this world mm. can do. There are enough reality shows, there's enough exposure to stars now that you can like it is not this golden, like gold tinted world that we once no. knew. Uh, but I don't think I've ever seen a show explore that quite as well as Bojack. And it's not necessarily in all the big gestures, but more in the little ones such as this, as he's just said in Princess Carolyn's office, if not now, never. And his now or never is somebody else's end of the day bit of admin they can't really be bothered with. Can you imagine trying to live that life? It's Your whole life is in that room. And to yeah. them, it's just another 30 seconds to a minute that they can't be bothered to do. Um in a line that just absolutely slayed me because I forgot it. Bojack is obviously teed up by the person in the audition to deliver his speech, which we will get to, but it goes very well. But the line that he is given, of all the lines, of all the scripts, of all the Secretariat movies, the feed line from the person in the audition is, isn't you that horse that won all them races? Which is obviously a riff uh... on the one thing he always hears in his life. Ain't you the horse from horsing around? Even in the film he believes he was born to play, he is being teared up by being reduced to nothing more than that horse on the street. The, this was the horse. They've earned that. That's what I'm talking about from the very beginning of this season. They've earned that payoff and that feeling of us getting that gut punch because how many mm. times have they done that to Bojack this season? And even despite the fact he doesn't deserve any of it, like yeah. this now this success that's going to end up falling into his lap, essentially, they still find a way to kick the horse when he's down they're going to keep beating that dead horse until it stops spitting out money well and it's funny you say spit out money because he does spit out some money he spits fire his audition goes absolutely amazingly it's um you know it's the role he's practiced for his entire life so it's one of the only times that he's not having to fake it off just fake it till he makes it in an audition it's just so strong it's a lament on fame mistaking greatness for goodness how we can't run away from his internalized misery he is secretariat he is. That much is clear. This is this one thing that he can definitely do. They, of course, absolutely love it in the room. They're all set to give him the part. <gasps> Until Andrew Garfield agrees to do it out of the blue. And every single one of them in the room, from that casting director that fed in the line to the ancient Lenny Turtletop, screams and claps as if they've just got Hollywood's greatest and latest pinup. Uh, they completely lose their minds for this because, yet again, Hollywood is thick. It means nothing. Everything means nothing. Bojack has just thrown his heart onto that coffee table in that room, and they are now stomping on it. And yet, gag after the drag, because Bojack screams, Garfield! <laughs> As the camera pulls away to see the window of the audition room, just like it would Garfield's house. That would be Dave, I believe the dad was in yeah, Garfield screaming. Yeah. Whenever he found out that he needed to do something, it never shies away from doing the harshest possible thing and then still leave you laughing. Quite an incredible moment. Wonderful stuff. The casting director has tears in her eyes. She's that happy that she's landed Andrew Garfield by text, no less. <laughs> in the middle of what you, you would say is, to this point, probably the best performance that we've seen from Bojack, the character, like... Because obviously we know he's a sitcom actor, per se. He's not really a film actor. But this is heartfelt. He's found a role that actually suits him. More importantly, though, Will Arnett here is just absolutely another wonderful turn from his voice acting um, yeah. that really hits home. And they give you that sense. You get Kelsey, who looks like she's completely taken aback by Bojack. So does Lenny. And then this just cuts through it with the Andrew Garfield news. And then he cuts through it, Bojack, with the Garfield shout as well. On top of that, it's just, it's relentless. 
It is. It's full on. You know, and in this conversation of this scene, I just before we move on, I just think it's worth saying. I don't think this will be by accident that we've talked about Kelsey. We talked about Lenny, and we have only to refer to an unnamed woman being yeah. asked. She is not given the agency of a name no. in the show, and that feels like that's by design because even yeah. in our attempt to earnestly review this, we can't name her. We can't oh, give yeah. her a personality. She's just that woman there to read lines. Yeah. We've been done by the show. Look at that. <laughs> we are. We are. We're the tar. part of the problem. <laughs> we're, the, we're the tar now. We're the, um, the tar. So we go from that uh, audition. Thanks, Bojack. Michael. I feel like a bad person now. <laughs> <laughs> Bojack is at a party at Mr. Peanut Butter's house, and believe me, we will get to the subject of that party later on uh, when we discuss Hollywood's with the characters. What do they know? Uh, he's gutted. Obviously, he's absolutely gutted. Andrew Garfield's taken the part that he was born to play. Um, there's all sorts of people at this party and his and Diane's eyes meet across a crowded room to the soundtrack of a song that I believe has been written for the show that says, you don't know how much I love you, which oh, was like a bullet to the heart. Um, but uh, as the, the meeting of eyes between Bojack and Diane is broken by a call that he gets uh, from Kelsey to say that Andrew Garfield has broken every bone in his body. I wonder why that might be. Well, more on that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> so the studio wants to go young again very telling that they're still not really asked about yeah. Bojack but she wants him she actually wants him she's fought for him she was in the room with him um, again Hollywood was thick this is human beings versus the stupid Hollywood machine the if it machine. was up to the machine they'd have picked any old young actor that wasn't right for it but a human being has watched a human being do good work and has managed to force it through um, she bollocks him rather than toast the job she says uh you got to work for this, and you got one month to get in shape. Lose fifty pounds, then gain back then twenty. Gain back twenty. <laughs> I love this. I love <laughs> this. That's because that is that feels like the stupid sort of um, the stupid thought process of Hollywood. Holly Woo would just be to say to him, "You have to lose fifty pounds. I need to know you've lost it, but then I want you to gain twenty. Like <laughs> instead of just saying, just lose thirty pounds. <laughs> it's that's it. Yeah, even even the real, which is yeah. budget needs to lose weight significantly, is made fake. By the gains that he has to do afterwards. Yeah. It ties back, there's, you know, in animated law, there's obviously a point where the Simpsons kind of dropped off, but they were once really good at like skewering this world. And I think it's an episode where they're filming an itchy and scratchy movie or something like that. And Bart's talking to all the roadies, and it's like, oh, well, uh, how'd you uh, how'd you make cows? Oh, we just tape a bunch of dogs together. <laughs> like you have animals, and it's just that it wouldn't make sense to use the real animals. But tellingly, even the one person that has fought for him here says, don't call, like, don't ever call me. I'll call you if we need to talk. So she has got the absolute minimum amount of interest that she needs to have in him. This is not a good relationship, and yet it's proven to be the most fruitful of this whole episode for him. Yeah, I would agree so, and I think it's no coincidence either, if we're staying on this topic, that it's Kelsey who gives him the call, not Lenny Turtletar, because Lenny doesn't care. But Kelsey's the only one who really saw the, read the room. She felt like the performance was good enough and she has the perspective, probably as someone who's felt overlooked in the past, perhaps, Michael, you could even suggest. Absolutely, and yeah. she's the one who related to it and gave Bojack the call. I get the feeling as well that she shares something in quite in common with uh, Princess Carolyn in the fact that Holly Wu has trained her to be still relatable, but also a robot when she needs to be, as we see in this phone call. Right, right. And uh, speaking of overlooked women in Hollywood, we go to a woman looking over Hollywood on the roof. Hey. Bojack. 
Bojack knows why he's going to the reef. He goes to find he goes to find Diane, tab in hand, exactly as you would expect, because she doesn't like being at parties. She doesn't know what to do with her hands. Oh. Diane Nguyen is maybe the greatest character in the history of television. And I don't want to go off on a tangent because uh, the very scene that we're about to discuss will be an example of it. The very scene pretty much she's in every single time will be one that is an example of this. But there's something incredible about this character. And I've realised, and I think we've got to episode 12 now, that you feel it when she appears on screen. Mm. It's as real as it gets that the second he hits that roof, you know why he's there. You know that the conversation is going to be brilliant. You know the television is going to be magic. And you know that you're going to be left a better person for Bojack's interactions with that character. There's magic on the screen when Diane's there. They've created the ultimate baby face, the ultimate like pillar for a show of, of, the, of just completely crumbled foundations. Yeah, I realise that's probably some recency bias here, but I'm struggling to think of a character who works as well as Diane in this department. She is she is unlike anything I think I've witnessed in, in animation before, mm. certainly. Um, and I would imagine if I was to dig deep, maybe on a, a handful of other characters who've done this as well as what I feel they do with her in this show. I'm always, they may not seem the most natural comparisons, but personally, I always rank this show against The Sopranos and The Wire because I just think it's of that kind mm. of quality. And those shows deal brilliantly with flawed heroes, but her heroism is a different type. Tony Soprano is a bad guy. Some of the characters in The Wire have to do bad things to get yeah. results. She has flaws, but they just enhance her like internal goodness. She's a good person trying to get by in quite a bad world. The flaws are cast upon her rather than ones that come from within. And I think that makes her slightly different to some of those ones that we used to. Certainly almost everybody else within this show. Yeah. Like there's earnest qualities to some of the other good characters in this show, but like nobody else, I think nobody else tries to win in this world more than her. I don't know yeah. if maybe that's what it is. Um and that kind of like speaks to the conversation Bojack has. Um he goes to the roof and he just asks her now that he's got the part what to do next which shows that he can't even really celebrate it this was the thing he wanted more than anything and he's gone to her for counsel because he doesn't really know how to process it and uh, she sums it up for him brilliantly she says that's the problem with life right either you know what you want and you don't get what you want or you get what you want and you don't know what you want and uh, you know you're listening to that line you're thinking god that's really smart so of course Bojack replies with that's so dumb yeah. And like, which is ideal. Like, well, that's stupid. Like, how dare he, like, take something that you've just heard that you think is so profound and reduce it in a second? He doesn't know what he's dealing with here. The way they deliver that line, yes, he says, oh, it's so dumb. She kind of says, like, he's like almost, almost a laugh in there as well when he says it, like, mm. that's so dumb. Like, because he's been hit with, he's been hit with a massive dose of sincerity there and he's really not sure what to do with it because I don't know if you've heard, but sincerity is quite scary. My <laughs> I mean, she laughs along and you, you're right there as well. There's a, a sense of a need for an icebreaker between them mm. and that perhaps acts as that. Um, she's reveals to him, as we'll get to in her story in this episode, that she is working on a film too. Um, and Bojack is, is really pleased with that. Diane, however, is uh, conflicted. They reference their last interactions together and how they weren't particularly positive. The the um the Bojack asking, like, am I good? Mm. Begging for that sort of clarification, that confirmation that there might be something good in him from her. Um, she still doesn't outright say that he's a good person in what could be a pregnant pause, but she I think spots that and tries to break that pause up by just saying, I don't really believe in that. All you are is all the things that you do. To which Bojack replies, Oh, well, that's depressing. Mm -hmm. And they laugh again. They, uh, they try and 
laugh through the pain of the scenario they've just crafted there. Well, this is a perfect throw to what we were literally just talking about seconds ago because, like, this is Diane in a nutshell. She's got this ethos where she she feels like doing good things and what you mm. do will ultimately result in you being the kind of person you are. Diane is doing those things, and ultimately, nine times out of ten, we see positive results as a result. However, she still gets pulled down by the, the tar of Hollywood, if you will, every now and again, like everybody else does. But she finds a way back up, whereas Bojack's whole thing is, I'm going to do bad things, and somehow, in a roundabout way, I will fall into the one good thing every one out of nine times or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, And it still happens for him. Because it's Bojack Horseman. One per 12, maybe, indeed, yeah. in Bojack Horseman, the yeah. TV show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and in the, the last bit of conversation between them, he, uh, he just says, I really wanted you to like me, Diane. And she just replies, I know. Because, of course, oh, you know, because she's God damn it. really incisive and really talented and he's like neglected that emotion on occasion. For, um, for, me, for me, this is, I know this probably will mean nothing to you, but this is up there with in terms of saying the phrase I know in response to something this is up there for me with Han Solo saying it the Princess Leia Michael in Star Wars because it's so impactful in terms of like he puts it out there he puts his heart out there and she just instead of saying like I do like you or whatever she says I know doesn't really give him the full closure mm. she knows she knows that's what he it. wanted but doesn't really give him the full closure it is that's exactly what it is Bojack was going for a hunt for closure this was almost like a little last stab getting that approval and she still can't give him it and if i keep talking i won't be outed as not being a star wars fan and we won't lose subscribers so i'll <laughs> just carry on um, this beautiful moment between the two kicks off an equally beautiful montage of people experiencing various forms of togetherness to wrap up the series as you pointed out it's the season finale um we'll talk a bit more about what these characters have been getting up to but we see princess carolyn and vincent the Dalton. we see mr peanut butter and todd we see Sarah Lynn tending to Andrew Garfield in a hospital bed, bringing him a lasagna because all of his bones are broken. And Garfield loves lasagna. We see Margot Martindale holding court in prison because she's become the top boss like she said she would. We see, oh man, a moment that got me behind the eyes. We see Pinky Penguin hugging his three kids and there's just love there in his life and the bulb goes out above his head and nothing matters because he's got the affection of his children maybe he isn't the third best dad possibly he's the second we see herb kazaz and his care bear and we see bojack horseman and his golden globe the same thing that he's been clutching onto is now all he's got while everybody else has got this togetherness uh, this was a really stunning end of series montage he's sat in his house watching a mid-era episode of horsing around some of the kids are a little bit older you can see there's a little bit of a bum fluff now on the moustache. Um, Sarah Lynn's developing more of an adult voice compared to the childhood one that we first saw <laughs> under the table. Should point out the bum fluff is on Ethan and not on Sarah oh, Lynn. Not on Sarah Lynn. <laughs> yeah, a very late season twist there. Um, yes, no, Ethan. Ethan's voice has broke slightly, and there's just yeah. there's all those little um, Sarah Lynn's character at this point is probably about twelve or thirteen, but they put in the line there, and I was boy crazy, which yeah. has all sorts of potency uh, to it. Oh God. But, Came over. What was it? Like... A, a penis and jelly sandwich, I think it was. Oh, God. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had, what is it? This is <laughs> weeks since recording. I've had seven showers and I still don't feel cleansed of that life. Um, you never will. You never, ever will. <laughs> in the episode he's watching, because they tend to obviously point to what we're seeing in Bojack's current life, it's an episode where it's a horse's birthday, but everyone's forgotten. But the horse character says it's okay because the only gift he needs is them as he watches it alone in his flat. 
with nothing but his award for company. The sun comes up outside Bojack's apartment uh, and it cuts to him back at the Hollywood Observatory, the place, of course, where Herb Kazaz says, you will look out at this and it will soon one day be yours. What a powerful place that is. Um, he's signing a copy of Secretariat for a young horse fan called Blake. Blake says he's his hero, which really genuinely takes Bojack by surprise. Um, there is obviously a nice sort of book ending of the episode where young Bojack has wrote to Secretariat and now Blake has you know, come to Bojack. And so maybe he is secretary after all in even more ways than the film will tell him. Um, he's left to ponder all of this and pretty much everything else. Uh, he leans over the balcony, stares out onto Hollywood and the season fades out uh, wonderfully to Closer by Tegan and Sarah, which I feel is worthy of a shout out to them because it is a fabulous way to soundtrack. It's this like synth pop anthem that talks about relationships between people at a time when Bojack doesn't really know who he's got around him, all he's really got is that award in his hand and that job he thinks he needs. And as we do that slow zoom away, as this show does often, Michael, we got the two the, the two dynamics of Bojack standing with his globe, although still in a, a situation where there's hope, yeah, we get hope. There, as he's just being called a hero by a young kid who's inspired essentially by him a little bit. And then as we zoom out, though, we see on the right, there's a couple. And on his left, there's another couple. Oh, yeah. And then we zoom a little bit further out, and then there's two more. Everybody who's standing on, I think, is it the Griffith Observatory, was that what it's called? Yeah. Everyone on that side, there's about eight couples on there, maybe. And he's the only person in the middle by himself. And yet, even from that point, to go back to the point where he sat and he said, hey, so his couch, sorry, for our viewers or listeners elsewhere, he's very much, he's, he's come a step forward, yeah. This is a it's a sad scene, but there is hope in the middle there. It's interesting you mentioned the couples there, because of course that used to be the place that him and her would share. But that's Indeed. just one more relationship that he's toxified. So that's yeah. never gonna happen for him again. Um we'll go into the other characters because you know, obviously you've heard me mention all the various ancillary characters, but they did all have a quite plot-heavy episode themselves, this one. So there was a bit going on with all of them. Uh, Diane, we talked about, um, obviously she was part of a, a power couple all of a sudden. That is emphasised by her trying to do the grocery shopping and some paparazzi birds, the ones that tried to uh, hustle Bojack earlier in the series and now chasing her. Um, they're not getting very far. And uh, she gets a call from a character called Sebastian St. Clair. He refers to himself as a famed billionaire philanthropist adventurer. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. He's kind of a dick. There's an air of a, a Richard Branson type about him. The philanthropy all feels forced. We are shown this by him parading through war-torn countries with all sort of exuberant, ostentatious wealth that he kind of like gives the crumbs to. So he'll deliver a series of water bottles to some starving children and take a couple for himself or use one of the orphans to open the bottle for him, things like that. Mm. You can already tell that he's quite a self-interested sort but he is at least dynamic, and the premise there is that he's trying to do good. Anyway, he wants her to document his charitable work. He's heard and read about all the great things that she's done for Bojack Horseman, and even uses that by suggesting that, well, if you've recovered that guy's career, you can certainly do plenty for me, which highlights just how little the world must have thought mm-hmm. of Bojack up to this point. Yeah. Um she takes that pitch to uh, Mr. Peanut Butter. She mentions that she'll be going to Sudan, to Haiti, to Thailand, to Chechnya. She's really keen because she wants to do good. And she alludes to wanting to get out of L.A., which comes with it the way of perhaps needing a bit of time away from Mr. Peanut Butter as well. Um, he doesn't necessarily read it as such because why would he? He's a stupid dog. Uh, he doesn't even think those places exist. He says that she won't find the happiness she's after in Chechnya, Lovakia, or whatever it is. And then... In the most Mr. Peanut Butter line of the series, but one that I think captured, I think it's safe to say will probably capture the feelings of the entire world, either as they're listening to it or as they think about the time in which which we're recording this over Skype instead of real life in each other's company. He (sighs) says, the universe is a cruel, uncaring void. The key to being happy isn't a search for meaning, but to keep yourself busy with unimportant nonsense, and eventually you'll be dead. You'll be dead. Oh, honestly, this was wonderful from Mr. Peanut Butter, but I don't want to detract from um, what I thought was really interesting with Diane and the fact that Sebastian Sinclair is a guy who's going to be going out and doing good things, but they seem like they're for personal gain rather than for what he can give to the world. And that's a character who might just shake up Diane's will a little bit. And it's interesting to me that she, he just happens to call just after we've had that, or just before all that. She's given us this discussion about uh, doing good things. It's what you put out into the world. It's You can see that she is immediately like a lightning bolt inspired by having something to think about mm. rather than maybe just to go on living the life that Mr. Peanut Butter lives. It kind of, again, marries her to Bojack a little bit because although she is literally married to Mr. Peanut Butter, she doesn't particularly subscribe to his philosophy of just like backdooring from one daft thing to another and getting by. She feels like she needs something else. And that's where her and Mr. Peanut Butter clash when they discuss this. It's very natural for him to react that way. Later on in Diane's episode, she gets a call from Princess Carolyn um, who... It tells her that the secretary at Movie Folk want her on board as a creative consultant, obviously because she wrote a very successful book on secretary, of which this film is going to be broadly based on. Um, but Princess Carolyn immediately reduces the job to one of them stupid, thick Hollywood jobs. Um, all she has to do is, quote, sit in a fancy chair and eat pastry all day. Um, so whilst it seems like the job of a lifetime, having already just discussed that Diane is searching for more, this is kind of really the last thing she wants. Um, Princess Carolyn tries to sell her on it almost, which should speak to how unimportant she thinks it is. Mm-hmm. She says, look, if you really want to help people, it doesn't hurt to have a little money in your pocket. Take the job now. Help the orphans later. There's always later. Help the orphans later. That, that line, this is, again, Princess Carolyn. We see she's a good person, but she's ultimately very good at her job, and she yeah. can de- like, detach from that entirely. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, like, and on Princess Carolyn, we'll talk about what she's been doing this episode. She's, it's a strange one, because she's having doubts of <laughs> Vincent as they're going through a rough patch. Uh, and as he puts, as she puts it to Bojack, uh, he works a full-time job at the business factory, so he just wants to get home and unwind by watching R-rated movies. Oh, God. Bojack doesn't care, but we're not sure whether or not that's just because he's being self-adored with usual or because he's three kids in a goddamn trench coat. Yeah, Nicholas. Why can't you see this, Michael? PC and uh, Vincent are having a row in uh, Elefante when they've gone out for a date. She asks him, what's under that coat? You've got to let me in. In a <laughs> wonderful subversion of this plot, PC thinks she's too young for their relationship. Oh. Because of Vincent's constant references to business, because he's trying to fake it till he makes it, and in her case, literally not understanding the words monogamy and monotony when she tries to point out the differences. He's a child. He doesn't know that many syllables. But she thinks that means that he's not being faithful at all. It's, it's, it's amazing. She completely picks up the wrong end of the stick or the wrong end of the, uh, the broom, as it were. Anyway, she agrees to. She gives what she thinks is a pretty heartfelt reason why she's going to have to break this relationship off. And uh, he's sort of okay with it and just wonders if he can have another soda. And why is that? Because he's three <laughs> children in a trench coat. And the two on the bottom must be thirsty at this point, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the last thing we see her in, she's at the uh, the party later on at the night that we've obviously said was at uh, Mr. Peanutbutter's house um, that Bojack and Diane had their thing at. Um, Vincent Adultman shows up. To win her back, he says, the truth about me is... Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, I love you. <laughs> oh, not, not to do this any any uh, injustice here, because when he pitches that up and is like, I came to tell the truth, but we get a quick, lovely cut to Bojack where he goes, okay, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes out with that and he's like, wait, what? That's just a, a great obviously so there's this big Hollywood style conclusion where he gets the girl back and they leave together and there's just people in the background saying things like man I wish I was that kind of man <laughs> this place is sick man it's stupid all, all of Hollywood completely blind to the fact that this is three kids in a goddamn church court now Hollywood being stupid and Hollywood being thick leads us quite nicely not into profiles on Mr. Peanut Butter and Todd in this episode, but to PB Living, because this was a powerhouse of a plot for these two that have now come together. As we've learned in the past few episodes, they've found a real kinship for one another. Todd has become Mr. Peanut Butter's assistant, but more than that now, they are going into business together. That monthly curated box of snacks was a hit, goddammit. <laughs> they've had their first success story. They're on the ladder. So they were having an ideas meeting early in the episode. As Mr. Peanut Butter puts it, I got into this game to make movies. So Todd pulls out a sack of scripts and notes that any one of them would make a great movie. But I also have a non-movie idea, which absolutely pops Mr. Peanut Butter down. Oh, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> They're already going off the rails before the train has even left the station. Uh, Todd pitches a Halloween store in January. Ingenious. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter thinks this is incredible because, in his words, it's an untapped market. <laughs> And uh, it's ah, oh, it's there's a there's a reference obviously to Bojack's success because uh, he says uh, that's the kind of idea that wins golden globes. Yeah. And as we've been informed about Bojack's success, that's actually true. What it's people actually, are saying is quite shrewd. It's actually true, but this is made even more impactful by the fact he's got a shelf behind him of a bunch of awards that he's bought from a <laughs> goddamn um, what you call the place where you take stuff. A, a pawn shop. A pawn shop. That's it. I tell you what, man. 
It's been a, it's been it's been a long twelve episodes. This <laughs> the season has indeed been a week. Oh. <laughs> but uh, so what we get, obviously, now that they think they've come up with their next brilliant idea, Halloween in January, is a is a pitch meeting. Now, put yourself in the minds of Todd and Mister Peanut Butter for just a second, and you'll go insane. But put yourself in the minds of those two characters and think, right, we're going to do a pitch meeting. It's going to work. Who to pitch it to? Who anyone in this show who to pitch it to? They pitch it to Bojack, the one man who in Todd's rock opera showed it nothing but disdain, who pretty much every time Peanut Butter speaks has nothing but the lowest opinion of him. And yet they do that. They line it all up, they get the flip chart, they do, has this ever happened to you? They perform a role play set piece where they pretend not to know each other and then continue to use each other's names while pitching Halloween in January as a store. Bojack hates it because of course he hates it because it's absolutely ridiculous. They tie this to a pie chart where they're determined somehow that they think this Halloween in January store will somehow reduce suicide <laughs> rates in January because buying a trick-or-treat costume will cheer people up. Bojack is livid with this pitch. Nicholas, they're f***ing idiots. <laughs> I'm sorry to have to make you go back and find the edit point in this podcast. But uh, I was completely with Bojack. This is, look, this is absolutely hilarious. Oh, but... Man through the avatar that is Bojack Horseman way to kind of live this life through it's hard not to be irritated by the lunacy of these <laughs> characters this pitch, but this life this world the lunacy of Hollywood, the lunacy of people in it and yet Michael, I guarantee you that if you went through these 12 episodes to this, or the 11 episodes to this point you could probably come up with a fantastic case as to why Todd and Mr Peanut Butter are actually right <laughs> well, the, the, like, as is often the case in Bojack, it's it sort of they're proved right by the end of the episode. So before we finish talking about it or before we finish watching it, you're kind of like, oh, bless them for having that idea because everything turned out nice again. Because this is their whole arc throughout this season in general, probably these two, is is probably epitomised in, in episode 10 where they just do the, they do the most ridiculous film you've ever seen and yeah. it just works out. Things just work out. For the, for the men in Hollywood, things just work out. And Todd and Mr. Peanut Butter are riding that wave. And at this point, you couldn't even argue against it because everything they've done has proven them right. So coming up with these ideas is just another thing that is going to hammer that home. <laughs> it's just... I'm laughing thinking about it. They have another pitch meeting in the uh, cafeteria that we've seen a lot in Bojack Horseman with Bojack again. He hates this. And yet they continue to pitch to Bojack. Another has this ever happened to you pitch. Um, he's the first one to bring up. Why are you pitching me something new? Were well, you not doing Halloween in January? Uh, they reveal that they kind of lost interest in that idea because um, they took the floor out of the, uh, the shop because Mr. Peanut Butter was scraping up because he's a dog and then forgot to replace it. We are informed of this by a cutaway gag of several people walking into the shop that turns out to be a brilliant idea that people really need, but as soon as they walk in, they fall to the floor and break every bone in their body, Adam Nicholas, which is what happened uh. to Adam Garfield. <laughs> Halloween in January is afforded Bojack Horseman the greatest opportunity of his career. Talk me through that one. This is... How has this happened where their <laughs> stupid pitch to the one person they really pitched it to, which is Bojack, ends up without him? He'll never, ever know this. He will never know it. But that ends up being the thing that will get him sick. Michael, everyone in Hollywood is a fucking moron and they are <laughs> rewarded and they're rewarded for it. They're rewarded for this idiocy. And we're going to see this pattern of behaviour. We've seen it so far up to this, at this exact point. And everything in my bones is telling me that this is going to be the theme forever. 
Everything in Hollywood is stupid. Everything is thick. Art is a lie. Nothing, <laughs> is, nothing <laughs> is real. So yes, with Hollywood, uh, sorry, with Hollywood, with Halloween in January now in the rearview mirror of PB Living, they've moved on to smoothies. What are smoothies, you ask, Adam Nicholas? Smoothies <laughs> are a mood that you can drink. No, sorry, are you, t- are you saying smoothie there? No, not like a smoothie. I'm talking about a smoothie. It's a mood you can drink. <laughs> <laughs> no, but are you saying smoothie or smoothie? <laughs> nah, man, smoothie's a drink. Smoothie's more of a mood. It's a mood you can drink. This, the line of all lines. <laughs> Bojack. We want you in on the ground floor. Bojack referencing Halloween in January. Your ideas literally don't have a ground floor. <laughs> a gag and a half. Oh, man. But now to finally talk about the party that we've mentioned all of the characters are at. What party was it? It was a Smoothies launch party. They've already reached a point where this product is ready to go to market. We still don't know what this product is, but it's a smoothie, but it's a mood. Uh, they're at the party together, PB Living. It's all happening, Todd. And then Todd responds with, hooray. And do you know, I don't throw that word around. <laughs> uh, what an la- absolute circus. A circus <laughs> of events this is. In a last great moment for these two in this episode and indeed this season, they uh, uh, talk about smoothies and how they've got to get this over the line. They've got to make this work. This can't just be another Halloween in January. Peanut Butter says to Todd, he'd feel awful if they don't follow it through. And Todd says, <laughs> did you say falafel and then Peter <laughs> says, tell me more about this falafel idea and as they're walking away Todd says falafel, falafel or, or falafel and in that in that montage of all the people together living their best lives together you see Todd with a has this ever happened to you flip chart with a picture of the waffle oh my god man this is given the like the sort of depth we get to go in with other characters we needed this. This oh. was, and I love, as always, we needed it, and it ended up being a, a crucial point, a crucial thing to play rather in the uh, in the overall narrative. I am absolutely exhausted, but this episode has finally come to an end. Oh my god, that was what a ride! Uh, to be honest, I'm just I feel like giving you an applause. I feel like giving this episode <laughs> an applause, but instead of doing that, this is of course the part of the show where we now go back. If you haven't already. Got sick to death of us talking about this show. We're going to go back, and this is a segment we call Horsing Around, where we go back and look and, and dig out all of the, the hidden jokes, all of the little uh, the bits in the background, all of the tiny, small details that you might have missed, and we bring them to your attention because there are many of them in this show, and you won't spot them all by yourself. The first real stuff happens at the Golden Globes as, as Bojack is obviously getting his award. On the outside, we see on the sign... And this feels very relevant right about now. I don't know how the show is coming more relevant as the years go on. But on the on the placard, the, the, the marquee outside, it says, Golden Globes, a totally necessary award show. <laughs> <laughs> don't go outside, everyone. Uh, but inside the Golden Globes, we see many different things. We see many people from past episodes, from the uh, filming process. We see Naomi Watts is there. We see... Um, Wallace Shawn, is it Wallace Shawn? Yes. Yeah, He's yeah. there. There was a whole a host of who's who in Hollywood. Woo woo. And um, <laughs> basically, the ones that I noticed the most, though, sitting at the front as Bojack gives his speech, is a little throwback, Michael, because Beyonce is there. Beyonce yeah. is there at the award show. And what is she wearing on her foot, Michael? She's got a cast because oh, she really sprained her ankle. I think she my ankle. Because of Bojack, she sprained her ankle. She's what wearing spot. a cast. Incredible. Not only that, though, she is accompanied by her husband, Jay-Z, who is, of course, a zebra. 
<laughs> because he's a zebra. Oh, incredible man. stuff. Absolutely incredible. We go back to the after party at Elefante. Couple of little references in here. Todd actually offers to go and get Bojack some cotton candy at one point, which is, of course, a reference to season one, episode one. How long ago that feels now, where Bojack has a tendency to eat cotton candy until he's sick off the side of his own balcony. Uh, Princess Carolyn also says, while she's talking to Vincent, that she says she's having a look around at people and it's just maybe, Vincent, let's go and do a lap. Have you ever met Brendan Fraser? I feel like you two would love each other. Now, we, we took this back and forward, didn't we? I felt mm. like this was partly them doing, uh, look, let's shine a spotlight on another person from the Hollywood scene that you've probably yeah. forgotten about. They've done this before with the guy from Will and Grace, which is ironic because I've forgotten his name. And <laughs> they've now done it with a bunch of others, and Brendan Fraser is on that list. But you also thought maybe, we, because let's be honest, what does Vincent Adultman look like? A weird, oddly strange walking person who's wrapped up in a bunch of stuff. What yeah. could he possibly be like, Michael? A mummy. A mummy, because he did the mummy films. Isn't that great? And he's a kid as well, so maybe that does tie in. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Something needs. As you mentioned, we did get our seventh Erica of the season mm -hmm. in this episode, because as always, Mr. Peanut put a distracted from key moments. And as you also mentioned again, I feel like this might be the first time we saw one of these, because I've seen the Zelda shirts before, but this feels like the first time we've seen a Zoe T-shirt in the episode, yeah. in the show. Could be wrong about that. Correct me if I'm wrong. At Podcast Horseman. Uh, when we meet uh, Sebastian Sinclair for the first time, what a character he is. Uh, he, as you say, he kind of is a generous man, but he's also kind of self-centered and he's doing it for himself. We see a bunch of stuff where the water that gets dropped down for them uh, almost wipes out three guys and crushes them. <laughs> the box up, he gets the water out and then, as you say, uses one of them to help him open a bottle of water. Um, then there's a wonderful gag, though, where the care packages drop and he's got a bunch of these care packages and he's talking about giving packages to these orphans to Diane on the phone as he gives one care package to the first one, one care package to the second one. And as he talks about giving care packages to limbless children, he gives a care package to a kid who has no arms, who can't physically pick it up. <laughs> ages on the floor with our stumps trying to pick this package up. Oh, man. Just, <laughs> we don't even get the payoff of actually getting it. We just <laughs> cut away to something else. I thought that was great. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> honest, I'll be honest. I'd say there's no harm done, but then there's no harm done, is there? So oh. uh, we go to Mr. Peanut Butter's house next, uh, which is, in fact, no, we don't. That's You've already mentioned this. I won't go into that again, but obviously the, the, the wonderful quote there about him and the key to being happy, mm -hmm. uh, which you've already mentioned, so I won't dive into that again. But I will dive into Princess Carolyn's office well, where she's talking to Bojack about potential future scripts, as you mentioned, the Coen Brothers film about the one horse, one <laughs> horse town, but most hilariously, the new James Bond film is titled 007 Golden Hoof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I've misspoke. 007 Gold Hoof, which obviously still, still, ticks the, still ticks the box either way. In Lenny Turtletarb's office, this was quite interesting. Uh, we find out through some uh, dialogue that he's talking about Secretariat when Bojack is trying to pitch to be Secretary, and he says, well, as you know, Secretary died uh, when he was young. He died at 27. So that is an interesting factor because it puts Secretariat in the elusive and infamous 27 Club, oh, along yeah. with all of your faves, such as Kurt Cobain, and the like Jimi Hendrix, I believe, is also in there, Amy Winehouse, a bunch of wonderful people who mm -hmm. all were taken from us far too soon. So I thought that was a nice little touch yeah. there um, because he's a cult hero, as we will find out 
as the show goes on. Uh, in Elephante again, we go back and there's a little gag, an animal gag outside where the giraffe valet gets the keys to the car and goes to sit in, but it's a sports car, so it has to wrap its, wrap its <laughs> before driving away so it can actually get out of the car because that must be quite tense, to be honest, on your neck. Um, go back to Sebastian Sinclair's tent in his war-torn country that he's helping these people out at and he's on the phone to Diane and he says to Diane, oh, I'm sorry, God damn it, Diane, I'm sorry, there's a mosquito in my tent. And as he turns, there's a person who walks in who is, of course, a mosquito who's <laughs> one of his helpers while he's over there. It's a stupid gag, but it's a good one. We go to a, a nail salon now where Princess Carolyn is on the phone. Some wonderful stuff happening in here. There's a rhinoceros who is getting her horn done, essentially, which I guess we call a hornicure. Oh, nice, yeah. Maybe, I guess. She's currently reading as well the magazine called Horn Hunks Magazine. Which is <laughs> so she's, she's a bit horny, Michael, you might even say. <laughs> who knows? Uh, there's also a woodpecker who is working on her toes and mm. is dabbing the, the paint on her toes with the mouth of the woodpecker, which I thought was nice. lovely. She's getting the full treatment, this rhino. Um, and then eventually, as this the phone call goes on, we cut back and forward between Princess Carolyn. By the end of it, the uh, the rhino is actually getting a horn painted <laughs> to match her nails, of course. Um, but Princess Carolyn also says, yeah, she says, I've got to go get my whiskers trimmed, Diane. <laughs> so I just popped me this. Uh, she says, I've got to go get my whiskers trimmed, Diane. Uh, I run into walls for days, but I look hot. <laughs> of course, in reference to the fact that cats use their whiskers to gauge distances between objects. Uh, we go back to the Halloween in January store, the storefront. And as you will notice, the first person who we see turn up, Michael, at the store is our famous guy with the flat cap and the flannel shirt yeah. and the pants. We haven't really seen him in a while. He's uh, He's been a little bit less infrequent, but there he is. Uh, we might be seeing a lot less of him now because he's fallen down <laughs> there and broke every bone in his body, presumably. Who knows? Uh, also, next to that store, we see a store called Bark and Nibbles, which is, of course, a reference to Barnes & Noble from America. You mm. Americas, you Americas over there, <laughs> Mr. Americas and Co. You can all probably appreciate that one more than we can. He has one for you. Mm. The license plate on the car says Four Gal One One Four. Now I couldn't come up with anything for this, mm. but it feels like there's something in there. Four Gal One One Four. That's an awesome one. I haven't, I haven't, I wasn't able to decode it. But if you can think of something. Be sure to let us know at Podcast Horseman. Let's go back to Prince Princess Mr. Peanut Butter's house. There's so many bloody prefixes <laughs> in this show. In Mr. Peanut Butter's house for the smoothie party. Now, there's a whole host of wonderful smoothie-related things here. We get some T-shirts. As T-shirt, it says, smoothie as big as your head, which is, of course, in reference to... Which <laughs> <laughs> is, of course, in reference to burrito as big as your head. But it doesn't really work. But who cares? That's there's so also... Good. There's also a T-shirt that says "Smoothie All Day," which made me think of like uh, "Rosé All Day," those tops mm -hmm. that you get. But yeah. it's just a smoothie, and it doesn't really fit. I think there's <laughs> a theme with all these T-shirts. Also, we get another appearance at this party from the guy who says, whose top says, "My other bike is a, is a tree." Yeah. Um, there's also in the background a recycled poster. We've seen this a lot on the show where we get signs and stuff that are uh, sort of written over the top. Well, this one is a recycled poster from when Diane said yes to Mr. Peanut Butter and all the stuff dropped down from the walls. He scribbled it out though and instead of she said yes, it's changed to she said smoothies. Brilliant. <laughs> but the best thing about this is, is that as we go along, 
there's a bunch of instances where there is, in terms of a new brand, you'd think it would mm. make sense to keep it all the same. Smoothies is written and spelled differently. <laughs> so many different occasions in this. It's absolutely wonderful. Check those out. All spelled differently. Smoothies has got that fancy U that the Swedes use with the two dots above it. Yeah. Um, I never know what to call that, but there you go. Um, and then with on, a Z, isn't there? Yeah, there's one with a Z. With a Z. The, yeah, the smoothies with a Z. That smoothies is spelled S M U D E E Z. And also, just a nice little uh, nod there. And attendance at this party is Virgil Van Cleef, who's obviously turned up just yeah. to have a little look at the smoothies while he's not judging people's rock operas. Um, on the rule, no, we're going to the hospital. You've already mentioned this, but this was a wonderful guy. As we're getting all these flashes through Hollywood at the end, the little montage of where everybody is with their respective partners. Mm. Um, as Sarah Lynn turns up in the hospital with a massive pile of lasagna <laughs> for, for Andrew Garfield, which is a huge payoff to earlier in the season when we got the princess, the princess. I want to call everybody princess at this point. <laughs> Sarah Lynn episode where she said, Andrew Garfield hates Mondays and loves lasagna. Wonderful stuff. Uh, in the prison, we see a shot of Margot Martindale, who's made some friends in prison, Michael. Mm. You may or may not have noticed she's made friends with the cast from Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay, yes. We're all sat at the table with that, and there she is, fitting in like a dream with all the gals from the show. Very good. We see Pinky Penguin over at Penguin Pub Publishing. God damn it, that always gets me. <laughs> uh, he's, reading a, he's reading a newspaper that says, print media continues to be a thing. That's the headline. <laughs> which is a wonderful sort of nod to everything that's going on in his life at the moment. The cuddle with his kids is so heartwarming. Really nice. As you say, the light bulb going out, but it doesn't matter because <laughs> he's got the family. But what we do see is all of the, the merch that he's replaced, One Trick, One Trick Pony has obviously been a big hit because instead of all that weird, it's like alien merch or something he had or like a ghoul oh, yeah. from the very first episode, it's now all BoJack Horseman merch in the fact that it's um, One Trick Pony books. But there is also the cardboard cutout of BoJack, you presume. Oh, excellent. The motion sensor on that he got earlier in the episode. With the Jerry Maguire quote. <laughs> might well have the quote. And last but not least, uh, at the Griffith Observatory, as we see the camera pulling away, and we see all the couples who are standing there. Who makes another bloody appearance but the two dogs from episode two where, Michael, it's no joke to steal a meal from Neil McBeal and Navy Seal, the two dogs who say that they shouldn't eat chocolate because it literally oh. kills them are both there enjoying the views over Hollywood. That is your fill for horsing around this week. And you know what it is? That was that was quite nice. It was a lovely filling episode, that full of bits mm. and pieces. But just in case you didn't get a chance to say something in this episode that you might have missed, Michael, you might have something, a burning desire to tell me about something. I think it's probably about time that we tell everybody here one last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first this week? Do you know I will? Because I don't know, I might have buried the illusions within the review, but I don't know if it came up that like uh, Hollywood is pretty goddamn stupid. It's, <laughs> it's pretty thick. Really and I, I, think I, I think I cropped up a little bit, didn't it, in this episode? Um, <laughs> and I just thought, as I was watching it uh, to, for this very episode, this is the season finale of a show that has been a gradual and growing success in real life. Uh, the characters have been fleshed out within the show, but you're kind of watching a show within a show. Everything is getting stupider while you come to the realisation that you are watching perhaps the cleverest show on television. And I just really like the dissonance there that only a show as bright and as sharp 
as Bojack Horseman could illustrate just how stupid Hollywood is. It takes the emphasis of one extreme on the spectrum to highlight the other. And I thought that was really superb. And what a what a realisation, I suppose, for myself personally, to happen upon re-watching the finale of a season. Because we don't know the future of Bojack Horseman at this point any more than the creators do. Netflix, notoriously brutal with their cuts if they don't feel like a show is working. And yet, this has found its voice in the most magnificent of ways to be so confident to allow in so many aspects, Hollywood to just fly off the rails and be as thick as it is. I can't think of a show that could be articulate in its messaging as well. They've done it in such a way that makes it feel accessible and mm. funny and entertaining and heartbreaking, but all these things you want at the same time. And you're right, it's so stupid, and yet it delivers the cleverest messages out there on television, which mm. is wonderful. Um, so, yeah, mine is its more of like a little observation, really, uh, for this. Obviously, uh, we've had 12 episodes of the show so far. Um, and if you go back to the very first episode, you may recall uh, that this show begins with our beloved, well, he's, well, he's a hero. <laughs> I don't know if he's a beloved hero, but he's certainly a hero in my eyes. Almost, I guess. <laughs> I, wouldn't say we'll, I wouldn't say we'll yeah. play, exactly. No, I'm, not, I'm not sure that I'm just yet. <laughs> I'm not, not just yet. We'll see. Um, yes, we go back to the very beginning, and it all begins on a chat show, if you recall mm. correctly. Bojack is on the chat show with Charlie Rose, yes. and he is sat doing an appearance about his life. Then we fast forward all the way through to episode 12, and how does this episode start? We begin with Secretariat sitting on the chat show that he's on with Dick Cav... What's it, Dick Caveat? Yeah, Dick Cavell, I think it is, yeah. Cavell, something like that, yeah. So we get this amazing symmetry between the two. Mm. And while you might have seen some imagery across the thing, the, the immediate thing that you will draw from this is the ultimate end of this Secretariat story here is that Secretariat ends up jumping off a bridge because he made so many bad choices in his life yeah. uh, that he can run away as fast as he wants, as he mentions, but ultimately... Time catches up with him, uh, and time time's arrow waits for no man in this situation and catches him and gets him, and eventually we get that tragic end. Now, that obviously was deliberate. They want us to think mm. about this immediately, yeah. and I just thought this was a lovely way to bookend this because it's same, same, but different, isn't it? And it's, yeah, the, this is how one story went. Maybe we need this one to go a little bit differently. The pairing of the two... Secretary and Bojack is always done really elegantly, isn't it? It doesn't smack you over the head with it, but then when you kind of raise it like that, bookending moments in a series, or Bojack being the one that held him in such high regard and being the best, the one that is best suited to play him when we know he's not the best actor in the world. Those things bring these two characters together in a way that feels earned and feels logical. It doesn't feel forced. It isn't just a case of Bojack is a horse and so is Secretary right the way through to that line at the start of this episode where had Secretary just wrote him back and told him he got the joke that would have changed Bojack's life there's a butterfly effect there that is lost because he never writes that letter would have changed everything there's been a weird kinship between these two whether they knew it or not and we're still getting now in modern day in this show which the book ended with Mm -hmm. them both and I just I thought it was lovely I really did this is top tier stuff and Mm -hmm. I'd like more please that's what I'd like <laughs> well, yes. On the topic of more, let's uh, let's quickly zip through the end here because I feel like we've been talking for ages this episode because we've got so carried away with season one, episode twelve. But you know what it is? It's a season finale, Michael. I think yeah. we're allowed to. But if you want to continue this conversation and you'd like to talk yourself horse about a talking horse as well as us, you can find us on all great social media platforms: Twitter, Instagram at 
podcast horsemen. Be sure to send us any of your questions, any of your tidbits from the show, any of your favourite moments, anything you like, and just keep this community growing because it's been nice to see so far. And as this season comes to a close, I think it's been a wonderful beginning and I'd like to see it continue the way it has. You can follow me on Twitter if you like, at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamlet on Twitter at Michael Hamflet and of course you can follow the podcast itself on Spotify you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts we'd really love you to subscribe um, you can listen along on Acast on Podbean we're probably on Stitcher basically anywhere you get your podcast we'd like to think at this point you can find Podcast Horsemen which Adam Nicholas is exactly what Let Me In 89 did when they very kindly left us a five star review to recap hey. If you want to join the Hollywood Talk of Fame and get your very own star with Bojack's little feet looking over the top of it, you can do so. Simply leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast app you've got. I believe Apple Podcasts is the easiest, but I'm pretty sure you can do it elsewhere. It's really helpful for us. Gets us caught in the searches, gets us found, so that indeed more people can talk themselves horse about the talking horse, which is what Let Me In 89 did. The title was just very kindly five stars, referring to us here, saying they're very passionate about the show and make me want to watch it from the beginning again, which Let Me In 89 is exactly why we started doing this yes we deeply deeply love this show this show is vincent adultman effectively there is a wonderful thing hiding underneath the trench coat it's just not enough people realize it so, <laughs> so thank you for that let me in 89 that's exactly the sort of thing we're going forward with this and thanks really to everyone that's listened along across the season work nicholas we're at the end of season one are we Question mark? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that, Michael, because I guess you're all probably thinking, what happens now? Well, that's it. We're cancelling the point. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Don't panic. We know in this time of need, we we need this as much as you all need it. Trust me. Uh, we have been thoroughly enjoying this. It's been a wonderful journey so far, but it doesn't have to end here for all of you. And it won't be. But we will be taking a slightly different route than maybe you were expecting. So now that we've finished season uh, one, from episodes one through to 12. We're kind of trying to continue things in a chronological order here. So the plan is as follows. The next episode we will be reviewing is, it's going to be the Bojack Horseman Christmas special. Now, if you're on Netflix, which I assume most of you are at this point, <laughs> um, then you can go and find that on there. It's very easy to find. But the Christmas uh, special is came out after season one, and that is technically the next episode. And we want to do this show just as... And also, we don't want you to sleep on this Christmas episode because, let's be honest, we could all probably do with a bit of Christmas cheer right about now. And yeah. why not tap into that through Bojack Horseman and... If they add Halloween in January, we can have Christmas in April. Exactly. Why didn't I think of that? I'm furious, but I'll let you have it. Um, but on top of that, we want to reassure you that we are going to be continuing on. So that's going to be next week's episode. But then after that, uh, because we've seen a few people that asked about this, we weren't sure ourselves if we were going to do it, but we've decided it makes sense. We're going to be doing a full season overview after that, which will cover episodes 1 to 12. But obviously, we'll be talking about the characters, where they started the season and where they end up and what the future could hold for them moving forward. So we're very much looking forward to doing that because we want to offer people a chance to listen to this podcast in terms of an episode by episode thing. But also, it's nice to kind of do it all in one and get a season review as well mm. because there's, there's stuff we want to talk about and maybe... Maybe just get a bit, maybe get a bit experimental about it, Michael. Who knows? Yeah. I guess you'll have to tune in and find out. But other than that, let's just look ahead to next week's episode, yeah. and I'll give you the Netflix synopsis. There's nothing else I need to add, is there, Michael, with regards to? No, just that people can. I should. We should point out this Christmas episode for whatever reason 
isn't included in Netflix packaging of BoJack Horseman. But if you search BoJack Horseman, you'll find the Christmas episode there. Uh, their little image is of actually BoJack Horseman Christmas special, but you'll see all the horse and around characters. Um, as Adam has pointed out, it came out in 2014 in the gap between season one and season two, which is why we're renewing it now. But you just might not see it in the section you would expect on Netflix. So just give it a search. Type in BoJack Horseman as you would on Apple Podcasts if you were looking for us. Type that in on Netflix and you will find that Christmas episode. Wonderful stuff. Well, let me just give you the synopsis while we're here for that one. So this won't have a season number, I guess. We'll just call this hmm. BoJack Horseman Christmas Special. And the synopsis is, it's Christmas and BoJack wants nothing to do with it. <laughs> then Todd shows up. Then Todd shows up with a giant candy cane and an old horse and around Christmas Special. If there was ever a way to get BoJack Horseman in the mood for Christmas, it's to show him himself on television. That makes perfect sense. Well... With that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.